0: Hi, and welcome to an AGB podcast. Today I'm chatting with Sudhir Kali uh, all about the great resignation. Um, Sudhir and uh, colleague Brett Jones just this week released an article for us um, talking about the great resignation uh, as it's happened around the world and its impact in particular on the Australian gaming industry, which I really found fascinating. Um, Sudhir is a professional in the gaming industry for the last 15 years. He's a professor on marketing on three continents, and is the CEO of Game Plan Consultants. Sadiar, welcome.
1: Thank you, Felix. And are you quitting your job?
0: <laughs> why? Why do you say that?
1: <laughs> well, I thought you wanted to discuss the great resignation. So I oh, yeah. That. Personal experience.
0: I may be outside of that forty percent that are <laughs> uh, li- quitting their jobs this year, but you know, it, that, just on that, that's a pretty staggering number 40 percent of um the world's employees are planning um to quit in like uh, within 2021 uh, like just well, yeah, just within,
1: with, within the next 12 months yeah
0: yeah all right, right so between 21 and 22 is that is that what mm-hmm. that statistic is that's like? correct yeah and that's crazy um i guess the whole thing around this podcast i want to ask is why right mm-hmm. um it, you know, it, we can see that the pandemics obviously had um, done done its toll um, on a lot of people and their psyche, but I want to get more insights on that. Mm-hmm, you know, sure. why is 40% going to leave in the next 12 months?
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Just to put that into perspective, uh, as you might have noticed, you know, in Australia, we pretty much tend to follow what the US does, not just in terms of its foreign policy, not just in terms of its economy, but now even in terms of, you know, the employment trends. And uh, since April, 15, April 2021, 15 million Americans have quit their job. As to your question about why, I would say that, you know, crucial moments in life, such mm-hmm. as uh, financial crises or health crises, or family crises, they always create an urge amongst people to want to examine their life. And what has happened now is people are looking at their life through the lens of uh, the chaos that has just ensued, uh, thanks to COVID-19. So I wouldn't say that you know, COVID is totally the cause of that, but I think uh, it has created uh, the platform which with which, which uh, people are really introspecting. And, of course, the work from home and the flexible work hours and everything that uh, happened during COVID did not help because I think, frankly, some of the employees got too spoiled and they realized mm-hmm. that, you know, hey, it's, uh, you know, I can be as productive as when I'm at work. Why do I need to be at work? Uh, that, uh, you know, I can better deal with my family issues and my... Uh, professional life when I have uh, the hybrid model or the flexible model. And if the employer requires me to be at work, uh, then there are plenty of other employers that will give me a job elsewhere. So Mm. I would say that this is the confluence of priorities, expectations, and passion. Uh, The priorities have changed. In fact, uh, work-life balance is the number one priority of employees when they're applying for a new job in terms of the attraction mm. factors and it is the number two priority in terms of when people quit their job
0: right i, I saw a report today actually just just a couple hours ago where it was something around 63 percent of venues around australia have reported having to pay staff significantly more just to attract or retain them we've seen poaching from uh, you know one hospitality venue to another significant sign-on bonuses i think there was one club that paid you know their bar manager a ten thousand dollar sign-on bonus so it yeah. definitely sounds like there is a massive shortage in hospitality workers can you give us a bit of uh, insights into what that actually looks like um, from a customer's point of view uh from you know a, a manager's point of view in these venues
2: mm-hmm.
1: well i mean from the customer's point of view in many hospitality settings now you know uh Customers are told that there will be an hour, hour and a half wait to have their orders, food orders delivered. So obviously, you know, that does not bode well for for customer experience. And from the employer's perspective, I think, uh, you know, again, people are using the 20th century methods to solve 21st century problems. In Mm -hmm. other words, like you mentioned, you know, throwing money at the problem. And that's not quite going to cut it. With the clubs industry, you know, you'd refer to Australia where majority of the revenues come from the clubs and not casinos. What you find is that those clubs that kept in contact with their employees during the 20 weeks, 25 weeks of closure after the employees were laid off, they did not suffer as much as some of the other clubs, which totally forgot about their employees. And, you know, when things started to pick up when the clubs opened again, said to their employees, now come back in.
2: Mm, yeah.
1: Okay. So wherever the clubs have treated their, I mean, the club management has treated their employees as a relationship as opposed to a transaction.
0: Yeah, as human beings, as opposed yeah. to a, just an, an object that completes yeah. a task. So right.
1: those clubs have done much better. Mm. Uh, mm. Also, as you know, most of the clubs tend to employ younger people in the service industry. Mm. And uh, in Australia, something like 57% of all employees uh, during the lockdown tried to acquire soft and technical skills. And right. one-fourth actually got formal qualifications in that regard. Right. So these people are not going to come back to their original job which, you know, had shift work involved, you know, which had, uh, where they were not really being treated very well. Mm. And another reason, you know, like I said, work-life balance was number one uh, reason for joining a particular company and number two reason for quitting. And uh, in terms of uh, the number one reason for quitting, it was the relationship with the manager. Right. So, you know, clubs like, I mean, lots of club managers like to blame, you know, oh, the government, you know, they paid them money for nothing, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hear that a lot.
1: Job seeker and all of those things. But if the number one reason was the manager why people are quitting, then obviously something is wrong with the way the clubs structure their operations. And uh, something is most definitely wrong uh, in terms of the culture.
0: Right. But it seems like that this great resignation, it, you know, obviously hospitality is maybe we're being hit the hardest, um, but you know, the, the whole relationship with managers and some of the other reasons behind them not wanting to come back. I mean, I feel like there's a there's quite a few industries that would be full foul to the same, uh, to the same sort of problems. Right.
1: Well, yeah. However, the impact has varied across industries.
2: Hmm.
1: So for example, you know, In the IT industry, only about uh, 12% of the employees said that uh, they would stay with their current employer, whereas the national average was something like 50%. Uh, So IT, healthcare, and the hospitality industry, uh, these have been hit the hardest in terms of the number of resignations that they have received. Uh, The other industries, manufacturing hasn't hasn't suffered actually at all.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. What do you think Mm -hmm. that is?
1: I think uh, people perceive there to be a greater stability in manufacturing jobs,
2: Mm.
1: you know, because people still need to eat, you know, they need to to go to their grocery store and buy the products and all of those things. And somebody has to manufacture those things.
0: Someone has to Uh, make toilet paper, right? Yeah,
1: whereas, you know, when uh, clubs stayed closed for, you know, 18 months or two years, I mean, that's okay. I mean, yeah, people people were wanting to go back, Mm. but it was not a necessity. Yeah, right. You know, and also there's more stability, there's more consistency, there's more regularity in a manufacturing job than there is yeah. in the service job. Also, like you said, you know, the I think the general consensus that customers have become a lot more rude and short-tempered mm-hmm. as a result of the pandemic. Mm. And of course, you have seen that uh, videos in the U.S. where, you know, people in an airplane, you know, they try to beat up the stewards and the stewardesses, oh, yeah. and, you know, become yeah. very violent. So I think this mental health is a huge issue all over the world. And mm-hmm. I think that is also, it's not just the employees who are suffering, but also the customers might be suffering. Mm-hmm. And then after being closed for 18 months, two years, whatever it is, and then to attend to rude customers or, you know, uh, yeah. very unpredictable, customers with very unpredictable behavior, uh, that's going to be problematic.
0: Actually, that um, that does also remind me of another other cool that we that we came across today, which was the MGM Resorts mm-hmm. um, utilizing VR in their recruitment yeah. fairs and in their job centers. Um, and then one of the biggest purposes is to let people see what it what it's like to have the job. And in one particular instance, what ha- what dealing with a difficult customer actually right. looks like, and they show it to them in virtual reality. And I just that, that goes to show that there is. Sometimes it's not as glamorous as uh, what mm-hmm. these job postings posted out to be, uh, but I, you know, in the end, they do it to reduce turnover, right? Because the worst thing is to train up somebody for a week right. or two weeks, and then them quitting when they just they, you know can't deal with that difficult customer. Didn't mm-hmm. expect it to be like that. Um, yeah, it, I mean, just from all this, it it sounds like there is a lot of issues facing clubs and in the hos- in the hospitality industry. Yeah,
1: well, there are but two th- issues. Mm. when it comes to the MGM example, and I found that very interesting. Mm. Uh, the first is that, uh, yes, they show the customers and the employees, or the employees dealing with difficult customers. However, what needs to come through is that human touch. The human touch on the part of the supervisor is the human touch on the part of the manager. Right. Okay. Just to show the employee that, hey, you know, you're going to have to deal with rude customers. That's fine. You might weed out a few. But then a better example of that is the online shoe company, Zappos, which, you know, they do less than 5% of their sales over the telephone. But no matter who the employee is, you know, could be the hiring for CEO or CFO, or it might be a frontline employee, everybody has to work in their contact center for about six weeks. Right. And that's where they solve most of the customers' issues, you know. Now these people don't get paid much, you know, on an average, eight to twelve dollars an hour. However, Zappos pays their employees something like uh, four to five thousand dollars if they want to quit within the first two or three months of joining the company. Right. Interesting. And, and the reason for that is that uh, hey, you know. I mean, again, five thousand dollars is a lot of money for somebody who's making eight, ten dollars an hour. But if the employee is discontrolled and they stay, then they are going to corrupt the company culture. Mm. And disengagement is very contagious. Right. Right now in Australia, only nine percent of the employees are are engaged. Being engaged means going over and beyond the call of duty. Mm you yeah, know, to solve uh, the company's uh, customer problems or, you know, uh, whatever the issues the company may might be facing. Yeah. And I think that's at an all-time low. And I think that is the harbinger also of the great resignation yeah. in that people's heart is not in their job.
0: And so, they're, yeah. They're again, not in this, they're, their heart's not in it because of just the, that kind of quarter-life, mid-life crisis as a result of the pandemic, or are there other factors that, that's causing that?
1: Well, I think there are, I mean, again, you know, one is there are multiple opportunities now. Like I said, you Mm. know, 50% of the people are basically upskilled, right? Mm. So they don't want to go back to their original job. Uh, Other industries have opened up. So why would you want to engage in this, you know, uh, uh, shift work, Mm. dealing with drunk gamblers who could be rude, and then, you know, having your uh, 30 minutes break in a break room that is infested with cockroaches and uh, dirty microwaves and all of those things. Mm. So I think it's, it's again, this whole issue about uh, uh, the culture that's prevalent in most of the club industry. And uh, I think the good way to start now, I mean, there needs to be that reset button to be pressed, is to start with a very clean, very attractive, customer I mean, employee value proposition.
0: Right. What's that going to look like for the majority of clubs that weren't engaging with their customers? Like you mentioned, are they, they're going to have to get the mop out, clean up their break room. They're going to have to uh, you know, educate their managers to better engage with their employees. Uh, what else can they be doing?
1: Well, uh, okay. So I think, uh, you know, just uh, in the marketing jargon, we call it internal marketing. Mm. internal marketing is making the job and the job product using marketing like techniques, very attractive to prospective employees and current employees. And when will the job product be attractive to the employees when it meets their basic needs? Okay. When it matches their expectations. So I think, you know, in the past, there was this master servant relationship and people thought that, you know, Uh, hey, if something is not working, you know, pay them a bit more. Clearly, that is not working. Yes, money is important, but it's not the number one reason why people quit a company. It's not the number one reason why people join a company. Uh, Second is to provide a sense of purpose. Now, that might be hard to do in the case of a casino, I would like you know, uh, because cynics are going to wonder, like, you know, what social social good you are doing.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. You now
1: you're basically breaking apart families and things like that, whereas with clubs, at least you know they're helping the local community. You know, be it the football team or the RSL or you know whatever it might be, these are not-for-profit organizations. So I think uh, that connection needs to be made clearer to the employees, and that needs to come through in the employee value proposition that, uh, you know, it's not all about pokey machines and, you know, it's not all about cheap beer, that we are doing something meaningful Mm. for the community that's in our backyard. I think that sense of purpose has become a lot more salient now amongst employees than it was before COVID. And again, that is because of that existential question everybody is asking. uh, What does life mean, you know?
0: Yeah, what am I I doing on this world? Precisely. Am I, am I helping? Am, am yeah. I doing good? And, and I also just wanted to add as well, um, you know, they were upskilling themselves during that period of lockdown, right. which means that they, they want something, they want to feel like they're doing more or they're learning that they're, mm-hmm. that, that there's a career path ahead of them, right? I think that That's was right. one of the problems with hospitality is the, the image was that it wasn't a, a, a viable career path, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, part of it is that, I mean, you know, again, very few, I mean, there are some clubs like Ramsgate, which spend a lot of money on the professional development of their employee. And, you know, outside of the gaming industry, uh, you might have heard that ComBank is now offering over 2,000 free courses for the professional development of their uh, employees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, learning and development, that would be one st- Strong attractor. Uh, second would be flexibility. Now, I've spent a lot of time around clubs and you know, I work for clubs, and sometimes this whole shift business is very brutal.
2: Mm.
1: And you know, there is a way to do it better uh, outside of the club industry. You know, the gap stores in America have done that. So, what they did was uh, they selected 28 stores that was pitted against control stores. And in these 28 stores, they eliminated the, uh, the power of the manager to cancel shifts up to two hours in advance, uh, requiring employee schedules to be posted at least two weeks in advance. Uh, number three, uh, guaranteeing the core group of employees at least 20 hours a week. Uh, number four, setting consistent start and end times for the shifts. And number five, hiring extra people during search times.
2: Mm. Now, mm-hmm. as
1: a result of this, what it cost each store was $30,000 and the revenues went up by $3 million.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: you know, So a <laughs> hundred times the return. On Very investment. worth
0: it. Very worth it.
1: <laughs> and yet, you know, what tends to happen, unfortunately, both in clubs as well as in casinos, Felix, I don't know if you have noticed that is that uh, ironically, a lot of the top bosses they start out as frontline employees, all right. If you look at the number of CEOs with a degree, and there's not many, and that's fine. Yeah, and mm. we have some brilliant examples of that. You know, but, I mean, they their brains and their insights and their experience can basically beat any PhD out there.
2: Mm.
1: However, with a lot of them, the moment they get into a suit they begin to develop this us-versus-them mentality.
2: Mm.
1: Okay? Mm. And and that becomes very disruptive in terms of having smooth relationships between the employees and the management. Mm. Uh, When I get into any club for consulting, the first thing I insist on doing, regardless of what the issue is, is to have focus group with the employees. And the number one complaint about management is there is no communication and senior management does not value our opinions.
0: Yeah. Top down, you know, I say you do. That's right. Kind of thing. Uh,
1: That's clearly not working now.
0: Mm. I've seen more companies nowadays, maybe not in the hospitality space, but uh, maybe more in that, you know, e-sports and and gaming space, but they have just fantastic um, facilities Mm -hmm. for their employees Uh, Mm -hmm. free lunches they do um, you know you can take as much annual leave as you want and require Um, you can have naps inside the the company Mm -hmm. I mean I I can see why people would be seeing companies doing this and going wondering why am I doing these this shift work at this club uh, where you know I'm just trying to I'm trying to earn like minimum pay uh, to do this
1: well, that's a, you know that's kind of the old Google or Facebook model, and just this morning I was talking to somebody whose daughter used to well who works at uh, Facebook, mm. and of course the last uh, two years or so uh, she's working from home. So he said, "Gosh, my major problem is now uh, me and my wife. We have to cook at home because when she worked at Facebook, basically any kind of food she could also bring home to feed the rest of the family." Mm. All right. Mm. And then you look at some of the lunchrooms of some of the clubs. And I talked about the cockroach infestation and dirty, dirty microwaves and bad odors and things like that. Mm. I mean, how do you expect the employee to spend their break over there and then to come back and be all excited about serving the customers?
2: Mm.
1: Okay. So, and that's what the logic behind the service profit chain is all about that, you know, Employee engagement, employee experience leads to customer engagement and customer experience. That leads to customer loyalty. That leads to higher profitability, and that leads to that's like a virtuous cycle.
0: Just last thing, uh, sure. mental health. I wanted to I wanted to cover that. We we said we would at the start. Tell us what you're what you're seeing on on this mental health side of things. What do clubs need to be doing in this this respect? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, one out of six employees is. Uh, Supposed, supposedly having mental health issues. Uh, that's uh, more than fifteen percent of all your entire workforce, and uh, you know that can be not only dangerous for the employees themselves; it also raises issue about the safety of the customers and the safety of the fellow employees. So, and thus far, you know we have not created a pro- a culture within most organizations, where people can talk about this freely. People can discuss these issues with their co-workers or they feel safe enough to go to their manager and saying, you know, hey, you know, I may be going through this particular issue. Mm. Uh, And the organizations are not really devoting enough resources to tend to these issues. Uh, That being the case, a lot of the things are being swept under the rug. And, uh, you know, that can that can lead to also, you know, people quitting, not wanting to go. We talked about the low level of engagement earlier, uh, higher accidents at work. Uh, so, you know, that's the vicious cycle as opposed to mm. the virtuous cycle that we talked about earlier. So I think, uh, you know, that needs to be, mental health needs to be uh, one of the top three issues yeah. or top three priorities in terms of the club's agenda or in terms of the list in terms of to-do as far as the culture is concerned. So, you know, it should be mental health, it should be respect for the employees, and and the third should be creating a culture that basically incorporates uh, the expectations, the Mm -hmm. changed expectations of the employees.
0: What does it look like if you say a club needs to put more resources into mental health? Are we talking about hiring a a counsellor, uh, or, or someone that can actually help them through some of these issues, like or you know, is it training the managers to oh, deal with it, issues like yeah, this?
1: Yeah, the first is you know just the basic training uh, of the managers how to how to detect when the employee has a problem, uh, how to talk to the employees because you know that should be the first port of call. Yeah, second would be a counselor. Third would be to provide activities at the workplace. Now it could be yoga, it could be meditation, it could be uh, exercise facilities, or it could be you know provide them free passes to a gym, whatever it may be, so that the tension can get diffused.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And lots of enlightened organizations are doing that. Mm-hmm. Some companies actually have state-of-the-art meditation centers and Buddhist monks, you know, mm-hmm. available on call to. Uh, teach their employees, you know, how to uh, resolve stress and uh, issues that are causing them problems.
0: Yeah. So from all this, I, I, bottom line, right? Treat employees like they're human beings. <laughs> Treat yes. them like they are the valuable assets to your company as they are. Right? What else would you, would you say?
1: Well, I mean, a lot of companies can do without a CEO. Nobody can do without a frontline employees. All right, Mm. so, uh, I mean, you don't have frontline employees, you know, you cannot open your business. And you you see, that's like, I think we have had that conversation before Felix, uh, when the COVID-19 crisis hit Macau, companies like Galaxy paid 48,000 US for their employees to quit, all right? Mm. So if you can afford to pay that kind of money to have your employees quit, then why not spend some money on customer retention? Do a 360-degree analysis of what the expectations and the needs of the employees are. Be a bit more creative and be a bit more employee-centric when it comes to assigning shift work, like we saw in the case of Gap. So it's not like you're spending money, it's you're making money Mm -hmm. by making life easier on your employees. So don't look at it as an expense. I think wherever you treat employees better, it's always a win win proposition.
0: Mm. Well, on that, Sudhir, um, just wanted to say thank you very much for this thank very you. insightful chat. Um, wish we could keep talking about this, and maybe we you will sure. after we turn off this podcast, Sudhir. <laughs> but thank you again for your time. Hey, my pleasure.
2: And you know, love talking to you as always.